Are you experienced? Have you ever been experienced? I And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 385, a.k.a. Year 8, Week 13, uh, coming at you this week. As always, I am your host, Mr. Richie Rich, along with... MC. And since this is your regularly scheduled Clubhouse broadcast, uh, you can find us there. The club is the Anarchist Experience. You can at me, at Riches for Rich, R-I-C-H-E-S, the number four. R-I-C-H, and get the little notification when we do go live, which is typically around 4 p.m. Eastern time, Saturday afternoons. Uh, so if you want to, you know, participate in the show, chat room is open, you know, drop us a message if you want, if you have any questions. I peek down at my phone on occasion, so if I don't get to you right away, uh, that's why. Otherwise, you know, raise your hand if you want to add something or you want to talk about something specific. Uh, we can usually let you in. If it looks like spam, though, I won't, because there's a lot of, like, people who come and they hit and run, and they raise their hand, they get nothing, and then they just move on. So they're not actually interested in the show. They just want to, you know, do whatever it is that spammers do. So if you look like a spammer, you get treated like a spammer. If you look like a normal person, you get treated like a normal person, because that's how I roll. That being said, what is going on with you this week, MC, if anything at all? Oh, nothing at all. Nothing at all. Okay. Fantastic. Because I have eight, count them, eight headlines. Um, nothing, nothing really particularly interesting going on this week just more uh i want to say nonsense stemming from the previous weeks right like the the 87 the 87,000 irs agents are still in the news um that's not going to go away um i do have an article as far as headlines um because there was like a, a brouhaha i guess um where people reported like the atf is already going door to door you know, from, from that from before. And I got a headline here. Uh, ATF shows up at people's homes to confiscate rare breed FRT-15 triggers, which we have talked about in the past. So maybe we'll get into that again. Um, but it's not, it didn't, it, if, it, if it is related to that particular issue, this is not new and this is not something, you know, related to the, uh, the, the gun grabber problem that's existing. So, you know, is it bad? Yes. Is it what people were expecting? Absolutely not. This was completely expected, so maybe we'll get into that. Um, and the other... <laughs> so this, this is a one-off tweet, and I don't have it anymore, um, and the, the guy got banned for it. Um, but as far as, as far as politicians that you can support are concerned, um, this guy might be up there as far as... Like, I'm not going to endorse him, but, man, I love the rhetoric. Uh, He's a Republican out of Florida. He threw out this tweet and then has since been banned permanently by Twitter for violence. Uh, But basically, he's like, I'm submitting a bill where any good citizen of Florida can shoot any FBI, ATF, any any federal government agency on the spot. If they show up in Florida. Ooh, fun. <laughs> right? Right? I get excited about stuff like that. Um, 
but uh, you know, it's uh, I I let's be clear here. I'm also not ignorant to the fact that that is rhetoric played for the base, and he has no intention of you know finalizing that bill or if that bill ever gets passed. Um, and it's you know it's just it's 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 rhetoric played for the base to get some votes, and I'm well aware of that. So we don't have to cover cover that aspect of it. But hot damn, right? Like, things are moving. If that were the case, you know, Florida automatically becomes a little bit more appealing, right? Because if you're in Florida... Florida's on my list of states to move to, so... Well, shit, if they pass that, would you expedite your move? Um, Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely consider it, yeah. Okay. Now, that's not... That's not to say that you want to move because all of a sudden uh, federal agents are going to be fair game, right? I don't. Well, know. It, I, I assume they wouldn't want to be around there. So. That's my point. Thank you. That's what I was getting to, right? The mere fact that that could possibly be a thing, right, means that you probably don't have yeah. to worry about an ATF, FBI, or IRS raid if you happen yeah. to be in Florida because... Yeah. You know, at that point, that would be an invading army shoot on sight. I'm, I'm sure you've seen all the pictures of the the new IRS trainees. Holy shit! I thought whatever, that was fake. You know. Did you? There was a video no, that I did real, not watch. Yeah. Did you watch the video? <laughs> no, no, I okay. didn't watch the video. I saw the pictures. So. I I also saw the pictures. Oh man, um, I mean. But that's that's what I tell people, you know, when they when they tell me or when they they have this preconceived notion of what you know people in the military are, and I'm like, like no, you don't understand. They're just normal people, just like everybody else. <laughs> you know, They're, this uh, is worse than have, normal. Uh, okay, yeah, bottom of the barrel normal. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> but but they're just people. Like you, you know, people have this image of of people in the government like like they're portrayed in, in on TV shows. You know, yeah, like oh, they're so professional and cut and clean and and like, nice. No, they're just they're just slobs, just like the rest of us. Nice haircut, <laughs> square jaw, perfectly tucked shirt. Yeah, I guess if if the. <laughs> If the IRS dude in the wheelchair ever showed up at my place, I'm just going to go upstairs for a little bit. And that'll, that'll be the end of it. <laughs> that'll, that will be the end. <laughs> <laughs> but that, again, you know, and I, I don't want to, I'm not going to uh, disrespect disabled people. Uh, you know, we, there's a few disabled friends within the community here, so that's not my intention. Um, but goddamn, man, may, maybe IRS auditor, you know, field agent is not the job for you. Uh, if, <laughs> if you, if you, if you're in that condi- physical condition, right? Yeah. Like no one should get a job but, at the IRS. But definitely give him a gun. Yeah. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you can't run from me. I'll shoot you. <laughs> and, you know. The, the, okay. The weird thing is part of the the job description that was since been pulled. Right and and the the rules for the IRS agents um, basically said like if you believe that the person running is going to commit a felony that's going to endanger someone else's life or your life right that's the shoot authorization <laughs> and that is so entirely subjective yeah and it's so right? wrong too you can't Abs- even do that you can't even do that in wartime yeah 
but that it was there. Like I don't again, I don't know the exact wording, but that sentiment was there. So I don't know. You know, the the dude in the wheelchair who's not going to be able to chase you down, right? Might have pre authorization to shoot. Uh, that was one of the interesting things through the, the firearm training, and you might be aware of this from your past training, uh, MC, is like the the disparity of force, right? Mm-hmm. Like for for some unknown fucking reason, uh, men and only men are expected to fight fair when in a fight. <laughs> Like, if I go, let's fucking duke it out, MC, and, you know, we happen to be about the same size, same height, same weight, and all I do is throw a punch, like, you can't shoot me. You have to fight back mano a mano, you Mm -hmm. know? But if there is a disparity of force, like someone is handicapped, like an IRS agent, right? And you're like, fuck you, dude, I'm going to push you down the stairs or, you know, tip your wheelchair over. Like, the disparity of force authorizes him this is not legal advice authorizes him to like shoot because he's already at a disadvantage and the 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 ability to shoot like brings that back to square even stevens and equal so i don't i don't know what the game they're playing there is but whatever i just like the headline that's like this is this is not an audition for the next police academy (laughs) which would be awesome because i love all of those movies yeah but not, you know. But, okay, so the, the last thing I'll say to that is seeing that picture, right? I don't know if this was the intent, uh, the subversive, like, 4D intent or whatever. But if that's who they're sending, right, I don't, I no longer am as worried that there's going to be 87,000 of them. Well, the problem is they'll send 20 of them to your residence, you know, and one of them will accidentally shoot you in the face, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but they got, they got to send like 20 oh. the first time though. And then, and then when once one of them accidentally shoots you in the face, the rest of them will start shooting because well shots fired and then they'll just lose their minds. Yeah. That's what happens with the cops in a lot of situations. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's a, it's the same situation. They it's, hear it's one bad, shot go off. It's a bad situation. You don't want to be around any of those fools with loaded weapons. Yeah, fair enough. But I just, again, I imagine like one IRS guy coming to your door because they think it's safe. And then when he doesn't come they, back, they send another. And then maybe like three the, or see, four. See, what, what they'll probably do is show up and give you a piece of paper the first time. Yeah, that's enough, right? Be in Florida. Shoot on sight. The, the minute yep. they come, the, the minute, this is where I get in trouble. The minute they come knocking. Right, I I already view that as a threat and a and an aggressive act because the 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 violence behind that right is already looming. It's just a matter of are you going to comply or are you going to get to that stage? And the only way not to get to that stage is at some point for you to comply, and that's how they get people to not get to that stage. Right, like. No one, no one wants to get, you know, no one wants to die. No one wants to get in a fight. No one wants to get into a gunfight, especially. Well, not a lot of people. Um, and so they rely on the compliance before it gets that far. But the minute they show up, like the threat, the threat is there, right? Like the, the sword of Damocles, I think I used that example before. It's always looming. And now it's looming over your head by the time they get to the door. So that's the time. 
and anything after that is either your compliance, right, or your death slash imprisonment slash, you know, whatever. And if you're gonna if you're gonna stand up for freedom and liberty and all that other fun stuff, right, then then that's that's the opportunity where you are in the violently advantageous position. Right? Because like you said, if they come back, they're going to come back in in a force that outmatches yours. And at that point, right, your compliance is nearly guaranteed unless you're that's the hill that you're literally willing to die on. It kind of reminds me. It's been a while since I've seen the movie. Have you uh, Have you ever seen the movie The Patriot, MC? I'm sure I have. I don't remember it. Okay, it's 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 eh, it's a good movie. I don't. It's not in any of my top movie lists. Um, but it was like you know American Revolution guerrilla warfare basically, and the quote unquote patriots were like taking out British officers first, right? And the British were complaining like that's not fair. You cannot, this violates the rules of war. You cannot shoot the officer first. He's an officer, you know. And basically said, no, we're, we, you know, without the officer, you guys can't give orders. We're taking out the officers first. Like, period, end of story. Like, this, this is a new warfare, a new form of warfare, and we're doing it that way. So, if you are legitimately concerned that the United States federal government is going to be violent, towards the American populace, right? And that you are going to be among those who are either captured or killed in some, in some sort of government violence against the American populace, right? Then it, it, be, it behooves you um, to fight back early and often and while you have the advantage. And I might want to just leave it at that. Because like I said, anything else after that is them coming in outnumbered forces. I um I was at uh, maybe I won't just leave it at that. I was at uh, Free Talk Live several weeks ago. This never made it on the air because uh, one of the other co-hosts like asked me a question during one of the breaks, and I said, "Do you want to ask me that on the air?" Like I'm I am comfortable giving that answer on the air, and he said, "No, tell me now." I'm like, "Okay, fine," and I think the general question was like, "When do you think it's okay to fight back?" Right, like when you know violence against the state. Like when is it when is it necessary, or you know morally acceptable? And my answer then was similar to what I just gave: is like when it's when it's you know advantageous to you, right? If you're worried about them taking the guns, when they come for your guns, they're not going to come alone. They're going to come in outnumbering forces, and you're going to be in the same situation as you would be, you know, with possibly the IRS which is they've got five or 20 and you've got one and they're, they're going to do what they're going to do. And that is take your guns or capture you or whatever. And so I said like, that's not the time to fight back, but what you should have right pre-planned out in advance um, is your friends in whatever local militia or gang or whatever you want to call it. Right, people of like mind similar to yours who are down, right, for that sort of battle. Because once they take your guns, you are you are now disarmed. Uh, but if you go to like the local militia stockpile armory, right, where you know Americans love guns, 
and you've got like community guns available for this in fact in you know situation um then then you take some numbers right and you go get it back right and at that point like once once they've taken your guns um i i will declare that all bets are off right there is there is there is no more hypothetical situations there is no more oh but what if you know type of thing or that can't happen here type of thing no they they showed up to your doorstep they took your guns what are you going to do about it um and if you're going to be a law-abiding citizen and just let them have it fine um but if this is the hill that you die on like this is where you stand to avoid the further encroachment of government tyranny uh then you have you have to be prepared you know mentally physically emotionally to fight back um and you're going to need friends so have those friends in place now. Make sure they're not feds, you know, infiltrators. Good luck with that. Um, but when they take the guns, that's when you go get them back. And then, and, and at that point, like, in my opinion, the, the taking of the guns would be the declaration of war, and then all bets are off, right? There's no more, there's no more pussyfooting around that. They're encroaching, and you defend, and that's the end of that. All right. Headlines? Enough. Did you mute yourself? I missed it. Uh, go for it, yeah. All right. Um, I will read through the rest of the headlines, but let's do this one first because this is related to kind of what I just said, uh, and it's the, the ATF shows up headline. So ATF shows up to people's homes to confiscate rare breed FRT-15 triggers. Um, and the FRT stands for Forced Reset Trigger. Um, it's, it's, it's a drop-in trigger, basically, with an engineered mechanism in place to force the trigger forward as the bolt resets. And in doing so, pushes your finger forward, and then you have to pull the trigger again to fire a second shot making it not a machine gun trigger by design, but to fire uh, at a rapid pace, right? Like you can, you can lean on the trigger ever so lightly and make it sound like a machine gun's being fired. Um, <laughs> for, for a while, uh, you know, last year, early last year, uh, I was on the, the waiting list for these. Like they're like, you know, sign up for our email and we'll let you know when we've got them in stock, and then you can buy them. Uh, but I never, I never, I think it was like 350 bucks for one of these, and I just, I didn't have the money set aside for it. So every time they told me, like, it was in stock and to buy now, I was like, shit, I still don't have the fucking money. Uh, and I guess good thing because of this, like, I don't, I don't need the extra hassle in my life at this point. Uh, but a new report from the gun blog website, Ammo Land Shooting Sports News claims the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, the ATF, agents have shown up at the homes of multiple people to confiscate previously legal forced reset triggers for AR-15 style rifles that were recently classified as machine guns. Um, I'm going to pause there again because they, you know, when they were selling it, they were, it was online, right? Like you sign up for the website, they send you, they say it's ready to, for purchase, you buy it, and they mailed it to your door, like in a package from UPS or FedEx or whatever. Like it was, it was that easy to procure. 
uh, and the the owner the owner of the company has been going through like quite a bit of legal rigmarole that I haven't followed recently. Uh, in court, getting sued, you know, having his having his manufacturing shut down, uh, him violating the order to continue to manufacture because he his company makes like one fucking product, and if you shut down manufacturing, you basically shut down the entire business. So he's like, no, we believe that we're going to eventually win in court, so we're just going to like keep going as it stands right now. Um, so they were they were legal. Everyone knew that they were legal. The ATF decided, nah not legal anymore. Um, and then now, you know, now they're showing up how they got the information. I don't know, because the owner of the company also said that he would not be providing customer information, uh, to ATF agents at all. Like that's sacred. That's a, that's a game changer and a company killer. If he was found to have, you know, provided that information. So we'll see. Uh, according to the report, it is unknown how the ATF acquired the customer's information, though the owners in question acquired the triggers via Gunbroker or the Rare Breed Triggers website. So maybe through Gunbroker. Uh, it is possible the ATF received customer information from credit card processes or shipping companies, Land said, adding the federal agency had received customer information from Authorized.net and Stamps.com to track people who bought 80% lowers from gun parts kits manufacturer Polymer 80. Completely separate issue. Uh, a person named Paul Britton Finch is allegedly one of those gun owners who got a knock on the door from ATF agents. Uh, just a heads up, I got a visit today from a a AFT for a trigger I bought from Gun Broker and one from Rare Breed directly. Hide your dogs, ladies and gentlemen. They're coming and knocking, Finch said in a post in what appears to be a gun forum. Uh, he continued, I don't want to say much more on here because the ATF do in fact watch this group and who posts what information. So take what you will of it. They're out there with all the information you use to buy them with and enough to prosecute you if they want to push it. Yeah, it sucks, but that's the reality of it right now. Uh, Finch provided pictures of the special agent's identification card who visited his home that served him with the warning notice, you may be in violation of federal law. Uh, the notice was dated August 16th, so just a few days ago. We have thoroughly covered the ATF's battle against Rarebee Triggers. The gun parts company once legally sold drop-in triggers for AR-15 style rifles that forces the trigger to reset at such a high speed it increases the weapon's fire rate. Meanwhile, people are learning to 3D print these triggers, posing an even larger challenge to the ATF. Under the Biden administration, the ATF has waged war against gun companies, parts manufacturers, and law-abiding citizens. Uh, last month, a Delaware man was stunned when special agents rang his doorbell and asked if they could do an inventory audit of his legally obtained firearms. I think that's the bigger deal because that I remember seeing that video and he was like, no, and you know, send them away. Uh, but you know, there, there's not supposed to be a list, right? They're not supposed to be, you know, tracking. It's supposed to be, we fill out the form to make the purchase that gets submitted and eventually destroyed. Uh, but not the, you know, gun registry that other uh, gun industry, uh, I don't know what you call them, uh, personalities, I guess, we're concerned about. And last summer, we told readers that the puzzle pieces were all laid out in terms of how the ATF, weaponized under the Biden administration, would try to ban semi-automatic rifles. One year later, the U.S. House of Representatives passed a bill to ban importing, selling, manufacturing or transferring semi-automatic assault rifles, 
assault weapons. However, it has no chance of passing in the Senate. Fingers crossed. Meanwhile, the online gun community is quickly accelerating the 3D printing technology of guns that can be entirely printed at home, even the plastic ammo. We've pointed out that others have printed weapons at home for under $350, while one company in Austin, Texas, unveiled the 0% lower earlier this year. Um, That's the end of the article. I believe that is uh, Cody Wilson's company, Defense Distributed, unveiled the, um, the ghost gunner. The, the 0% lower, which is uh, basically a chunk of aluminum that is that their particular uh, mill, like the, the ghost gunner mill, uh, is able to uh, mill into a, a lower receiver for an AR-15 style rifle. Like, so what are you going to do? Ban a fucking chunks of aluminum? No, it's done. Like that, we've, we're past that point. Uh, so your thoughts, MC, if this is of any interest to you at all? Uh, well, uh, thanks for our article. I don't have anything to add. Fair enough. But it's uh, And like I said, when I started uh, the article, I said, you know, if this is it, this is not, this is not necessarily part of um, the new bill that just passed. Right? This is, you know, the new bill that, you know, passed the House or whatever, um, I, I, I think the other news sites that were uh, discussing the, the ATF showing up at the door were trying to make it sound like they were ramping up enforcement immediately. And this was a, uh, a, a Biden presidency, presidency decision, you know, or, or part of that, um, part of that. And the, the rubbery triggers have been out for so long. And even when they first came out, right, the, some, again, the gun industry personalities uh, were quite clear, like, this is legal now, but be aware, the ATF is probably not going to like this, and they're likely going to find a way to call this a machine gun, and they will come knock on your door, right? That, that, was, that was a well-known possibility uh, a year ago, you know, maybe even two. I don't remember when this fucking thing started you know started hitting the market uh maybe 2020 it's been a while um and so people need you know like you know it was it was a take a chance purchase right it was you know this is cool this is interesting this is innovative um it basically like again the function of it it's basically like the the bump firing the bump the bump fire the bump stocks uh that donald trump outlawed uh but in the trigger right it was like it was a bump trigger Basically, um, so people people in the industry, people in the know, knew that the the likelihood of this happening was there, and I don't even believe that this is the first time um, that the ATF went a knocking for this particular trigger. I don't know how they get the information again for, through gun broker or whatever, um, but this was this particular raid was entirely expected all along. Um, so for the the other news outlets. I'm going to say fear-mongering that this is an escalation. Um, I just want to be, I guess, intellectually honest um, and, and say that it's not necessarily an escalation um, because it was expected. It was, an, it was anticipated, it was expected, and now it's happening, and it's, again, unrelated to any of the new news that has been coming out uh, by the gun grabbers recently. All right. The rest of the headlines... Headline, 
Cops shut down eight-year-old girls' lemonade stand to protect society from unlicensed lemonade. Headline, why you shouldn't need a doctor's permission to get prescription drugs. Uh, headline, mega corporations are not your enemy. Uh, headline, justice won't come from our legal system. It will come from the collective masses. Uh, headline, a mom let her seven-year-old play in the park. Arizona arrested her and banned her from working with kids. Uh, headline, self-driving cars and the nirvana fallacy. And finally, headline, 96-year-old Brooklyn landlord can't evict a tenant who hasn't paid rent in almost three years. So any of those jump out at you? MC? Um, I, I like the uh, prescription drugs. All right. Why you shouldn't need a doctor's permission to get prescription drugs? The present system for pharmaceutical drugs requires a doctor's prescription as a precondition for their sale to members of the public. At first glance, this seems like a reasonable plan. After all, most people simply lack the necessary information to determine whether they need or can benefit from drugs such as penicillin, Vicodin, albuterol, lisinopril, levels, levoxacin, it goes on and on. To name but a tiny sample of the drugs covered by this rule. Moreover, even if people had that knowledge, which the average person most certainly does not, they would be totally lost as far as proper dosage is concerned. However, all is not well under present institutional arrangements. For here we are not talking about the advice and good counsel from a physician to a patient. That is all well and good. Rather, the problem is that the horse is placed before the cart. The client must seek the permission of a person who is, for all intents and purposes, an employee of his, not an employer. That should be the proper relationship between the two, and in the free society, that is exactly what would occur. Instead, nowadays, the patient is not seeking nor obtaining information, knowledge, advice. Instead, he must be here, appear on bended knee to beg for permission from his physician. Imagine if this system were to be extrapolated to other fields of endeavor. Then instead of a motorist telling the mechanic which of the services he requires, matters would be inverted. The former would have to gain the approval of the latter regarding the proper procedure to be followed. Instead of the customer telling the cab driver where to go, the former would have to seek approval from the latter regarding the destination deemed by him to be the most appropriate. Similarly, the diner would have to ask permission of the waiter as to what kind of meal to order. If the latter deemed the former choice to be in any way problematic, he would simply reject his request. Travelers would propose destinations to air carriers. The latter would say yay or nay. After all, doctors nowadays sometimes refuse to write prescriptions for patients if they deem those, those prescriptions harmful. They make the final determination to the request, not the order of the patient. Yes, yes, there are uh, disanalogies here. Pharmaceuticals have life and death implications, certainly for those, certainly those for good health. Some, but not all of these examples are fully apropos, but this is a dramatic and accurate way of depicting, depicting exactly what is going on in the prescription system. How should matters work ideally? Architects give advice to the builder. Mechanics give advice to the automobile owner. 
That is exactly the relationship that should prevail between a doctor and a patient. The former should advise the latter as to the proper medication, but the patient should be free to ignore what the physician says, to seek a second opinion, and to have access to whatever legal drugs there is out there. All drugs should be legal, but that's an entirely different matter. Lawyers know more about us about laws. The same thing follows. They are our employees, not employers. Physicists, chemists, mathematicians, economists, musicians, plumbers, and electricians are also more knowledgeable about their own specialties than we laymen. Still, this gives them not a shred of justification to boss us around. Yes, doctors too know more about than us specifically about medicine, uh, but that shouldn't make them our bosses. Their brief, their brief should not be to permit or to withhold permission. We, their clients, are not children. We should not be treated as such. A uh, little weird on the wording toward the end there, um, but written by Walter Block, so I like <laughs> Walter Block. Go ahead. Your thoughts, MC. Um, well, what, the only valid reason that th- there should be some prescription drugs that are restricted is antibiotics because you can overuse them and uh, bacteria can uh, evolve pretty quickly and you could end up with strains that are very hard to kill by uh, the strongest antibiotics we have and so um, we w- you wouldn't want and this happens even now even even though that we have prescription drugs uh, we have doctors that prescribe antibiotics for basically anything uh, which they shouldn't be doing so uh, antibiotics are given uh, if, if they're given too casually then uh, it could lead to bad outcomes for everyone. Okay. So is this, I mean, I hear what you're saying, and then I want to be clear, who should be restricting these people from doing that? Um, and are you saying that this is uh, I a mean, greater the only good pe- argument? The only people that could do that are uh, prescribing doctors. You know, I, I get that part, but what I, I guess what I'm suggesting is we would normally advocate for freedom and liberty for all to put whatever you want sure. into your body. Um, and it sounds like the argument that you're making is, well, not anything, because if you put too much antibiotics in your body and create a super strain, that could negatively affect me, and so you are then restricted. Yeah, or well, should it's, be it's restricted. Not, it's not just so it won't... Uh, uh, it, it'll it'll hurt other people, but it also hurt the the, the patient also. And um, so, hopefully, even let's say let's say you could buy whatever you wanted to buy. Um, hopefully, you wouldn't just put put a whole bunch of antibiotics in your in your body every single chance you could. Right. Hopefully, you would ask a doctor first what what would work. Um, that you know there could be a, a problem though if if everything is just on the shelf that. People say, oh, well, this worked last time, and then they take it again and again, and eventually it doesn't work anymore. Okay. So, again, I hear what you're saying. I think uh, at least part of the article was that you should be able to, you absolutely should be able to go to your doctor for advice, uh, but I'm I'm with, at least, with Walter Block in saying that uh, you are free to ignore that advice and do as you please. Yeah, and I, I think you should be able to also. I just, I just think there, you know, um, if, if there was absolute freedom, um, there would be consequences, and I think the antibiotics would be one of them. And and I'm, 
I'm okay with that. Uh, I'd rather see what would happen with the antibiotic issue and, and take that risk uh, to the, you know, to the population rather than uh, have the CDC uh, get to choose what goes in my body. You know? okay. <laughs> so, I, so you're saying people shouldn't overuse antibiotics, uh, right. but they, you know, given the absence of Some people might. Some people might. Yeah. yeah. And what do you do about that? You know, if, if the claim but, is well, that their overuse saying, affects I'd, you... I don't have I don't have the answer for that, but okay. I'm willing to see. <laughs> okay. <You know? laughs> so, but so you wouldn't you then would not try to prevent them by suggesting that they need to get a prescription for antibiotics. Uh, yeah, I honestly I don't have a solution for that. If okay. you're talking about a free market solution, no, I'm not. I'm not asking that. for a solution. We, I'm just saying I'm trying to get you to yeah, walk we, back that they need to get a prescription, and it sounds like you are. Um. Well, I already said I. I don't think they. I don't think having a legal structure around prescriptions is a good idea. Okay. But I. I don't know how to restrict people from making bad decisions about antibiotics. Okay. Fair. I think I. I think we are back in agreement on that then. Um, yeah. And I. I guess, you know, we we can fall back on the old cliche, right? Education. Right, if you don't want people sure. to overtake antibiotics, right, then you know doctors or concerned members of the public um, should teach these things to those people. Right, mm-hmm. the manufacturers of the antibiotics, right, just like you know, there's product information now, could put that right on the box, right, not recommended to be taken without doctor's consultation instead of prescription, right. Yeah. It's recommended. You should go see a doctor to find out if this is right for you. If you want to take it, right, then, then again, the, the legal structure, I guess, would have to be in place uh, to hold those manufacturers harmless um, for any misuse or overuse or whatever. But people are stupid, and you can't, you know, there's no... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's the argument for government, is that people are too stupid to make decisions for themselves, and so it, it's... It's obviously you just have to have a government, and um, that's that's the way most people that that's the way most people uh, view view government is it's 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 not for it's not because they're too stupid it's because everybody else is too stupid, yeah. and and that's that's a really sad way of looking at societies. But um, and obviously there there are you know ten percent of the population is too stupid to get in the military, but. Um, uh, that's only ten percent, you know. This, yeah. uh, I was. It, it's it's a it's a problem. It's a big. It's a huge problem. But it's not something that we need the government to solve. I don't think. Yeah. I, as I was doing my you know usual show prep and and dicking around on social media, I don't know where I saw this, but it was you know one of those uh, people are fucking stupid subreddits or whatever, and it was something like. Uh, th- it was a picture of you know of m- uh, 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 just a messed up clothes iron, right? Like it was shit goop or whatever was coming out of it, and the caption was like, uh, "Don't put flavored water in your iron," or you know, like or, or <laughs> have you seen this one? No. But, okay. Don't okay. don't put flavored sparkling mineral water into your iron. 
thinking that it's going to get your clothes to smell like fucking flowery and fruity uh, because the iron heated up and melted the sugars and all the, you know, electrolytes or whatever was in this mineral water and just fucking gunked up the iron. Uh, and right. Like the end of the caption was, you know, whoever did this nonsense, right. Said like, there ought to have been a warning on this. Right. And I got, like, Oh, that's stupid because now there's going to be a warning and it's going to be this bitch's fault. Right. It's an old like Jeff Foxworthy, uh, bit where he goes like, you ever see those weird warning signs about, you know, whatever, something, right? I was like, the reason that the warning is in place is because someone already tried it, right? And so this is, this is the, the stupid level, this is the level of stupidity that exists in current society where, number one, someone would do this, and fine, right? Like, you made a mistake, right? You, you, you thought something was going to work, and it didn't work out. Congratulations, lesson learned. You know, I don't know how expensive the iron was, but like a, a $40 lesson, basically, right? Like, don't put shit in your iron. And other people might say, you know, that sounds like common sense, and maybe it did. Uh, but then other people make other dumb mistakes, too. So, you know, you're not above making dumb mistakes. Um, but, the, you know, the, the clincher for me was there ought to have been a warning, right? As if, as if every bad scenario you can fucking think of, the manufacturer is expected to know of ahead of time, right, and warn you against it. You know, does the, does the warning go on the iron? Like don't put fruity fucking beverages in the iron or does it go on the, on the uh, bottle of, of, of mineral water, right? Don't put this shit into an iron. Like where does the warning need to be for you not to be a dumbass, or for you to not accept responsibility for your stupidity, right? Like people are going to be dumb. Some, you know, sometimes that stupidity affects other people, um, and then it's just about, you know, personal responsibility um, and making people whole again in some sort of free market justice situation. Like, I don't, I, you know, I don't think we have to brainstorm this any further because uh, it won't go anywhere. Uh, but presumably, right, like if, if you make a mistake on the road, for instance, uh, you, you zigged when you should have zagged or you swerved or you like, fucking you weren't paying attention and you ran that red light and t-boned somebody right like oops it was an accident you know there there was no malicious intent shit happens um but you got to make good and if you have insurance fine but if you don't like you you are indebted to that person by quite a bit as far as you know personal property damage and bodily harm and injury and all that other nonsense so presumably um in a in a world where you could you know could get uh, all the medication you wanted over the counter or on the shelf, not even over the counter, just on the shelf um, that you would have to be responsible. And if it could somehow be proven um, that your overuse of an antibiotic beyond doctor recommendation or, or in, in lacking doctor advice and beyond the scope of the manufacturer's you know, suggestions... Uh, or recommendations, right? That if you were the genesis patient zero of some super strain, right, that infected some other people, and that could be proven somehow, uh, you might be liable, right, in a free society. 
that was the that was the biggest issue with the whole COVID nonsense several years ago, and I guess up until recently, was with the incubation period. Like, how could you prove? How could you trace it back to the person that got you infected, and how do you hold them accountable for that? Like, I lost two weeks worth of work because you coughed on an asparagus that I picked up at the grocery store. You know, like no, you just getting sick. Getting sick is just part of the human experience. That doesn't get blamed on anybody else, you know. Like I, you know, uh, I had a I had a customer come in, or you know, he came in, shot the shit for a little bit, and then he gave me a call later. He's like, "I'm in the hospital, uh, not with not because of COVID, but he had tested positive for COVID, which means that I was exposed, you know." And I, you know, that this was only within the last week. So I don't even know. I could, I could be a carrier right now and no one would be the wiser until it's too late because I may not present any new symptoms for another week or two. Um, I'm banking on the fact that I had it once and I'm pretty sure I had it about a month ago. So my like natural immunity should be up there. Um, but I also, I also don't go through a justice system to hold people accountable because all of a sudden I've got the sniffles, right? Oh, crap, I'm sick again. It was probably Bob at work. He was sneezing and, you know, coughing the other day. Like, oh, fucking well, right? Like, that's, you know, to me, that's just part of the human experience that doesn't require any judicial intervention. And I would probably say the same for any sort of antibiotic, right? Like, if you get hit with the super strain uh, for whatever reason and the normal antibiotics don't work, well, guess what? You're going to be on the forefront, you know, uh, on the frontier of new medicine as, you know, the, the doctors seeking profits try to figure that one out and get you all caught up. Right, that happened. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a scary time uh, to be single, I guess, because there, you know, several years ago there was like the super strains of like gonorrhea or something as far as STDs are concerned, like none of the normal antibiotics are working. Like, what are we going to do? Don't have unprotected sex, right? Like start there and then maybe you'll get lucky or the whole monkeypox thing. Like calm yourself for a little bit, you know, and leave the dogs alone. (laughs) Poor dog. Poor poor dog. (laughs) If you, if you miss that reference for whatever reason, um, Again, it sounds uh, prejudicial, I guess that's, a, you know, t- to say. But, like, the news stories that are coming out is that the whole monkeypox thing predominantly affects homosexual males, right? Like, that's, that's the narrative. Um, and so you got the, like, that's, I'm going to call those facts at the moment. Um, but then you have the, you know, the, the woke crowd saying like you can't say that that's you know discriminatory and then you've got the um, prejudicial people going like well it's we're saying it because it's true and then you've then you've got the really woke crowd going like well now it's made it to the dogs Um, and so like a gay couple had a dog the dogs now got monkey pox um, and anal lesions and they're ignoring the anal lesions as part of that story and we're just going to say, poor dog. There was also a monkeypox scare. Like, oh, if it makes it to the wild animals, forget it. Then it's here to stay. And that's a scary proposition, too. 
especially if they're saying like surface area. Like, oh no, like, you know, the, the wild cat has the monkey pox and scurries across uh, the banister, the, the handrail to your walk up, right? And then you come home with a bag of groceries and put your hand on that walk up. And all of a sudden, you got the monkey pox from the cat that ran across it, you know, dig or whatever. It's just, it's weird how they're trying to shift the blame to, any, to anything other than what the predominant problem is. And that's what I just said. Won't say it again. Anything else? MC? No. All right. Any other headline jump out at you? Uh, no. All right. Let's skip the lemonade one because that's, that's an easy go-to during the summertime in America. Like every year, multiple stories about lemonade stands getting shut down. And like, come on. Like you really, if, if you're the cop shutting down the lemonade stand, like why? Number one, why? And number two, don't you know by this point that you're going to make the news? Like, it's, 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 it's meme-worthy at this point. Um, this one's going to piss off a lot of uh, real anarchists, the commie types. The, the, the real anarchists who say that uh, anarcho-capitalists aren't real anarchists because capitalism is bad. Uh, mega corporations. Not your enemy. How do you feel about that headline? Just right off the top. Uh, well, if if they're lobbying the government, they probably are. But okay, let's get into it then, because that's that could be an angle, um, and one worthy of distinction. Corporations are easy political targets, but their utility is irrefutable. In modern political discourse, corporation is almost a slur. In 2021, uh, Vermont U.S. Senator Bernie Sanders, responding to criticism of his tax proposal, released a video titled, Yeah, We're Going to Tax Billionaires and Corporations, in which he assures us that the new taxes would be taken exclusively from large corporations and their wealthy owners, as though, even if true, that would automatically make it okay. It seems to imply that Corporate income is so obviously unjustified that we needn't have any qualms with just taking it. On the other side, in opposition to a different tax hike proposal, Senator Rand Paul was quick to point out that it would hurt small businesses. Why small businesses specifically? Aren't large corporations also entitled to keep what they've earned? Uh, perhaps Paul is just focusing on victims that people have sympathy for, but either way, both he and Sanders and most other politicians arrange their rhetoric around the broadly held view that large corporations are fundamentally corrupt organizations flooded with riches they neither earned nor deserve to keep. This view is unwarranted, however. Far from being hoarders of ill-gotten gains, successful corporations are an incalculable boon for humanity. The simple economic argument from a basic economic standpoint the utility of large corporations is obvious trade is mutually beneficial and large corporations engage in a lot of trade uh, when you buy a burger from mcdonald's you must value the burger more than your money or you wouldn't have bought it the owners and employees of mcdonald's must value the money more than the burger or they wouldn't have sold it you all value what you have after the exchange more than what you've had before so total wealth has increased 
Uh, I'm going to interject right here as well, just because this also needs to be said. Uh, the employees value the money they're being paid more than the time that they would have had otherwise as well. Right? That's also a mutually beneficial exchange. But couldn't the employees produce the same goods without the giant corporate structure? Simply put, no. <laughs> if the inexperienced young employees that McDonald's tends to hire to cook their burgers started a burger joint on their own, you probably wouldn't go there. Corporations become successful by providing both capital and a management structure that allows products to be produced at a price, quality, and consistency that more than make up for the cost of running that structure. The employees, just like the consumers, must be getting more by engaging with the corporation than they could get elsewhere. Otherwise, they would not engage in the exchange. And again, after the exchange, total wealth has increased. Essentially, the wealthier a corporation is, the more wealth it must have created for others in return. This argument, while sound, will probably not convince a skeptic. Critics of large corporations have objections which they believe rebut or outweigh our simple economic argument. The subsidy objection. Perhaps our simple economic argument doesn't apply to large corporations because often their wealth comes not from voluntary exchange, but from government handouts. Conservatives, progressives, and libertarians all love to rail against corporate welfare and not without justification. Corporations really do receive subsidies, and subsidy income really cannot be justified by our simple economic argument. After all, taxing someone and giving that money to a corporation is not voluntary exchange. Empirically, however, the vast majority of corporate wealth does not come from subsidies. The five largest U.S. corporations uh, by market cap are Apple, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, and Tesla. Last year, Apple's revenue was $366 billion, Microsoft $168 billion, Google $258 billion, Amazon $470 billion, and Tesla $54 billion. The obvious way to get an idea of how much that revenue is due to government handouts would be to compare their 2021 revenue with their 2021 subsidies. However, according to the subsidy tracker, on goodjobsfirst.org, not all of these corporations received subsidies in 2021. So we will need to take a longer view. Uh, total, totaling the disclosure subsidies from 2011 to 2021, Apple got uh, 1.4 billion, Microsoft got 670 million, Google 400 million. I'm averaging these out because I don't want to read these whole numbers. Uh, Amazon got 3.5 billion and Tesla got $3.5 billion. Simple Division re reveals that for most of these corporations, an entire decade's worth of subsidies still amounts to less than a few days' revenue. Even the relatively well-subsidized Tesla earns more every few weeks by selling cars than it receives in subsidies in those 10 years combined. In fact, this still massively overstates corporate subsidization. Why? Because most of those subsidies are tax breaks. An actual subsidy is a source of income which doesn't, doesn't require the company to provide anything to anyone. A tax break is when the government takes less of the very profits which incentivize production in the first place. To be clear, if we care about free markets, every government subsidy is worth opposing. But empirically, the income that large corporations receive from subsidies, even dubiously including tax breaks, is negligible compared to the income they receive for providing goods and services for people to enjoy. The fair share objection. Another common refrain is that corporations don't pay their fair share of taxes. 
Uh, Pew Research found that 81% of Americans are bothered at least some by their perception that some corporations don't pay their fair share. Looking at these numbers, this might initially seem valid. Last year, corporate income tax accounted for 9% of all federal tax revenue, as opposed to 51% from individual income tax. However, there are two issues with this picture. First, corporations are made up of people who already pay taxes. Everyone from the entry-level employees to the board of directors pays taxes on the income they receive from the corporation. Corporate taxes are really paid by everyone involved with the corporation on top of their normal income tax. Some argue that the wealthy owners of corporations avoid taxes themselves, but this is simply false. A Heritage Foundation investigation found that the U.S. tax system is already highly progressive, with the top 5% paying 60% of the taxes despite earning only 37% of the income. The other issue is that it's unclear how corporations paying taxes is even a good thing. Corporations survive on their ability to allocate resources better than their competitors. Governments have no such requirement. Take schools, for example. If a private school doesn't provide a good service, I can send my child elsewhere and they won't get my money. If a government school doesn't provide a good service, they'll still get my money through taxes, even if I send my child to another school. The same logic applies to all government services. Corporate taxation is the transfer of resources from an organization with good incentives to use them wisely to one with poor incentive to do so. Stop the hate. Corporations are easy political targets. They are organizations of people rather than individuals, so they are easy to dehumanize. The largest of them are by definition wealthy, so they're hard to feel sorry for. But upon reflection, it's hard to find a more socially beneficial class of organizations elsewhere. Rather than being seen as acceptable targets of hatred and the source of guilt-free plunder, large corporations should be seen as an inspiring achievements for human welfare, and their creators should be admired as the heroes of civilization that they are. Uh, end of the article. Your concern, MC, not addressed. So go ahead. Um, no, that's that's great. Um, I I think that uh, you know any the, the, one of the cool things about uh, big corporations is they're they're usually uh, co- combining. Uh, you know, one corporation will will buy another business, for example. Why would they do that? Well, one of the reasons why is to reduce uh, taxes, so that you know, if, if Tesla uh, needs needs metal, it could it could you know buy the metal producing uh, business, and then it won't have to you know it, less less paperwork and less overhead and less less taxes to the government. Yeah, presumably, um, and and that's good for the consumer um, because then they can lower prices. Um, uh, right now, uh, you know, Tesla is doing really well. Um, they're, they're sold out of most of their cars. All I'm amazed by that number. $54 billion? Like, how many Teslas are there? <laughs> yeah, that seems lot. like a lot for, uh, you know, a relatively small car company. Maybe I'm just yeah. maybe well, I'm just. No, they're not really the that small anymore. They're, they're making over a million cars a year now, I think. Okay. And uh, they're on track to do two million a year as soon as their fact, uh, all their other factories uh, spool up. So... Um, yeah, they're they're growing uh, quite considerably, and I think the other car companies are afraid. So okay, um, 
Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So anyway, corporations buying businesses to consolidate so that they can pay less taxes. And, yeah. and, uh, and I think that's a great thing because I don't want the government to have the taxes. I'd rather have, I'd ra- rather let the corporations keep their money. Um, my, my whole thing about big corporations though, sometimes they, they, they get, uh, you know, not just greedy, but, uh, super greedy and they want to use the force of government to uh, hold their monopoly, uh, hold right. their positions of power. And, th- and that happens, and, and that's unfortunate, and um, the only thing we can do is get rid of government, not the corporations. Yes, um, thank get- you. Getting rid of corporations will just leave us with uh, just a big government. <laughs> it's like, okay, th- right. that would be horrible. I, 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 you hit the nail on the head, that's where I was going to go with it. Um, it's it's, di- it's always difficult for me to like blame the business owner. Because the business owner is not an is you know not necessarily libertarian, they're not an activist, right? Like their goal is to make the most money possible for themselves, um, given the system that they're forced to operate under, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's it's hard to so like well you shouldn't you shouldn't use the government system, right? When not doing so puts you out of business. Right to to try to run a corporation or a company anything like that outside of the scope of government oversight um, makes you a target and an activist. Like it's no longer it's no longer a corporate endeavor or money a profitable endeavor. Right, it's activism. Um, in my opinion, I'm I'm sure you can come up with examples to the contrary, but that that that's it. So if you know if the system that they have to work with says like you can make more money. If you skip out on the R and D and just give the senator some money, right? Well, then what's what's the appropriate response for the corporation, right? Mm-hmm. The fact that the government exists uh, skews the the incentives of the corporations to do what we would consider to be the right thing, right? It perverts the incentives uh, in, into what it's come today, which is why when it comes to the the anarcho-capitalist point of view, right, which I take, um, like, I'm okay with capitalism, I'm okay with corporate structures, but I want to see the elimination of that perverting force, right? You get rid of the government, and then they're, they're then compelled, forced, right, incentivized to act more in favor of the consumer to get things done, as opposed to, you know, doing what the government says, um, Another quick example I want to share with real quick because I, I was just reading this. It was an unfortunately a negative article about Costco chickens. Do you go to Costco, MC? Um, yes. Do you ever get the four ninety nine rotisserie chicken? I have had it. I don't typically get it, but I've had it before, yeah. Okay. So what I learned today in reading this article, because it was an article saying like Costco is you know, violating animal rights with their production plants for these chickens. Mm-hmm. And the important thing about what I learned was like the four ninety nine chicken from Costco, along with the hot dog, which I already knew, uh, is a loss leader for Costco. Mm-hmm. Right? That much, yeah. that much we knew. Like, there's no way you can sell the chicken, especially in today's economy. Um, however, apparently, Costco spent four hundred and fifty billion dollars, or four hundred fifty million dollars, excuse me, uh, to vertically integrate their supply chain for these chickens. Like Costco has their own chicken plant somewhere in Nebraska or whatever to farm these chickens so that they can keep their price at four ninety nine. Right. So they spent four hundred and fifty million on a product that
that loses money with every sale. And that sounds ridiculous, except for the fact that it's, you know, it's the lost leader, it's the door grabber. You get mm-hmm. through the door, maybe for the chicken, and you walk out with, you know, 10 gallons of mayonnaise, because fuck, <laughs> it's Costco. Yeah. But that's what, cor- that's what a corporation would do. There's no mom and pop, right? There's no mom and pop chicken salesman that, number one, can get that price that low, or number two, has that amount of profit and funds, um, you know, to, to vertically integrate their supply chain at that scale, right? You can, you can have the farmer with the chickens that sells a handful at the farmer's market, but when you're talking about millions of chickens a year, uh, it, it takes something that large. And I think that's something that else was not touched on in the article, and that's the economies of scale, right? And like, the, you know, for the most part, you know, basically, the larger you get, the cheaper things get on the production side because you buy in quantity. And it's for whatever, it puts small businesses out of business or small mom and pops out of business. But in the long run, if, if they're driving the cost down, that has always seemed like a consumer benefit to me, right? Like, why would I, why would I pay two bucks for a liter of cola at a mom and pop store when I can go to Walmart and get it for 95 cents, right? You got to support the local mom and pops. Why? It, it hurts me financially to do so. And it's, I always struggle with that. Mm-hmm. Any more thoughts? No. Final thoughts? No. All right, let's wrap it up then. That'll do it for us. You guys know where to find us, anarchistexperience.com, on Telegram, t.me slash anarchistexperience, or t.me slash theanarchistexperience. And if you would like to contribute to this show financially, you can do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash theanarchistexperience. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace.